Make sure you're subscribed to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Type The Word of the Lord Endures Forever in your podcast provider. Hit that subscribe button and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is brought to you in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. LHF is a recognized service organization of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod dedicated to translating and publishing the books of our Lutheran faith into more than 100 languages for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. Learn how you can take part in their work at lhfmissions.org. Welcome to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Wheaton. Maybe someone had finally translated for them in Greek what the priest was proposing to do to honor them. Their response is telling. They tear their garments and they rush into the crowd. I think the idea is, look, look at us. We're creatures like you. We're made of flesh and blood. We are no gods. We're just like you all. Don't you dare offer sacrifice to us. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a daily verse-by-verse Bible study with the church, past and present. Pastor Whedon is leading us in a study of the book of Acts. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Greetings, people loved by God. Our last study found Paul and Barnabas arriving in Iconium, about 90 miles away from Pisidian Antioch. There, they entered a Jewish synagogue. Recall how that might suggest that there were whole synagogues who had gone Christian by that time. They spoke effectively there, and many of the people, both ethnically Jewish and Gentile proselytes and Gentile God-fearers, had believed. But where the gospel is accepted, it's also rejected, and trouble arises from those Jews who speak against the gospel, poisoning the mind of the Gentiles. But as they were not immediately driven out, just spoken against, the apostles stayed put and continued to preach boldly, and to grace their bold preaching the Lord granted signs and wonders to be done, magnifying his grace. As the word kept spreading and being believed, the opposition turned nasty, and a decision was reached in the divided city to make an attempt on the apostles' lives, and this with the collusion of their rulers. Realizing what was about to happen, the apostles followed the Lord's mandate and just fled to another place, this time to Lystra and Derbe in Lycaonia. Remember, they were not fleeing martyrdom, but they were seeking further opportunities for their preaching. They knew that martyrdom would find them if that was the Lord's will, but in his time and in his place, where he chooses. But till then, they were monomaniacs about preaching the gospel. A reading from Acts, the 14th chapter, beginning at the 8th verse. Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking. And Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowds saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lycaonian, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul, Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen 
and garlands to the gates, and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news, that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. Acts 14, verses 8 to 18. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, you have commanded us to pray that you would send forth laborers into your harvest. Of your infinite mercy, give us true teachers and ministers of your word who truly fulfill your command and preach nothing contrary to your holy word. Grant that we, being warned, instructed, nurtured, comforted, and strengthened by your holy word, may do those things which are well-pleasing to you and profitable to our salvation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Ready to ponder today's passage? Let's consider it, verse 8. Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. Verse 9, he listened to Paul speaking. This account has marked similarities to the crippled man that Jesus healed through Peter and John at the temple in Acts 3. As in that case... This man, too, had been crippled from birth, had never been able to walk. Perhaps he could still crawl to get around, dragging his useless feet behind him as he pulled himself along. No mention here of the apostles seeking out a synagogue. It sounds like there may not have been one there. So they just begin sharing with these rank heathen the good news of salvation in Jesus. And as Paul spoke, the crippled man listened. Maybe Paul or Barnabas had mentioned some of Jesus' healing miracles, like the healing of the paralytic in Mark 2, before they spoke of his suffering and his death and his resurrection. But whatever they spoke of, they held this man's attention. And Paul notices. Verse 9 continued. And Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, verse 10, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. Chrysostom commented to his 4th century congregation in Antioch, Look, he paid attention, it says, to Paul's words. Do you see the elevation of his mind? In no way did his lameness hinder his eagerness to listen. Paul, looking intently at him and seeing, it says that he had faith to be made well. He was already predisposed in his purpose and resolution. And yet, in the case of the others, it was the opposite. Their bodies were healed before their souls. Not so with this man. It seems to me that Paul saw into his soul. I love that. So Paul seeing that this man believes what he is preaching, and therefore, if he gives him a command he will obey, does so. Paul says, up you go, my man. And immediately he leapt up and began walking about. The miracle was intended to verify the veracity of what Paul and Barnabas had been sharing. But the crowds weren't apparently paying attention carefully to what was being said, but they sure didn't miss out the miracle that just happened in front of their eyes. Verse 11, 
And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lycaonian, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. As I said last time, oh, so close. This miracle doesn't mean that Paul and Barnabas are divine, but it is true that the one true living God has come down to us in the likeness, not of men, but of man, born of Mary, to teach and suffer and die and rise again. God really did come down as we confess in the Nicene Creed, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man. And Paul and Barnabas, they are just witnesses to that man. Verse 12. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. We had noted earlier that Paul became the usual preacher with Barnabas more of an assistant, and no doubt happily so. But because Paul was the one doing the yakking, they assumed he had to be Hermes or Mercury, herald of the gods, and silent Barnabas must be none other than the venerable Zeus or Jupiter, as the King James has it. And all of this conversation is happening around the apostles in a language they don't speak, Lycaonian. So it took a bit for them to realize what was happening. Maybe the next bit makes it clear to them. Verse 13. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. The priest of Zeus shows up with sacrifice and crowns ready to do the apostles' divine honor. The crowds are cheering him on in this intention. Herod, recall, had been absurdly flattered by the attribute of divinity. The holy apostles, however, are absolutely horrified. Verse 14. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you. Maybe someone had finally translated for them in Greek what the priest was proposing to do to honor them. Their response is telling. They tear their garments and they rush into the crowd. I think the idea is, look, look at us. We're creatures like you. We're made of flesh and blood. We are no gods. We're just like you all. Don't you dare offer sacrifice to us. Instead, verse 15 continued, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. These vain things would be Zeus and Hermes in the entire Greek or Roman pantheon. They're vain because they're not real. They're empty. And so the apostles invite them to turn to the living God, the only real and true God, the actual maker of heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them, the maker, in fact, of all people. Good news, because he himself has turned to you in love, has sent his son into our flesh to free us from all idolatry and to make us live in him forevermore. Verse 16. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Past generations refers to the time before Christ dispatched his apostles to make disciples of all nations. Although the Jewish nation was chosen in order that the blessing of Christ might be given to all the earth, that secret was mostly locked up among the Jewish people until the resurrection. There were hints all along 
that the salvation was for all. I mean, the Magi in Matthew 2, the Canaanite woman in Matthew 15, the believing centurion with the sixth servant in Luke 7, and certainly the prophets all attested to that. But it's full revelation to the Gentiles. That had to wait until the apostles were sent out after Pentecost. Verse 17, Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. That is such a beautiful verse. Paul is just drawing out the truth Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verses 44 and 45. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. God's loving provision of rain and fruitful seasons that satisfy hearts with food and gladness, it extends to all the earth. It's not only to Israel that he gave these good gifts of the first article of the creed. Verse 18, even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. The people and the priest of Zeus were having a hard time with this. That the men had worked a great miracle, or more accurately, that the one they proclaimed had worked a great miracle through them, that was undeniable. They all saw the man they had known for their whole life, being lame, now walking around whole and well. But that this meant that everything in their view of the world and of their gods was all wrong? That they needed to repent and turn away from the way of life that had been delivered to them by their fathers? That's what they couldn't wrap their minds around and why they could scarcely be restrained from the sacrificial offering. That's where we'll take our break for today. Next up, trouble chases them all those miles away as antagonists from Antioch and Iconium show up in Lystra and incite the fickle crowds from offering sacrifice to the men to killing them. Paul is stoned and dragged out of the city. But to the shock of the disciples, he stands right back up and heads back into the city, preached and converted a ton of folk, and then headed right back to where they had already come, strengthening the disciples all along the way. Till next time, people loved by God, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a listener-supported program. You can donate by check, make your check payable to The Word Endures, and send it to Box 616, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also make a secure online contribution at thewordendures.org. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.